Welcome to the Property Renovation Podcast. I'm your host, James Woodham. And I'm your co-host, Juliet. Juliet has a decade of architectural experience in the US. And James has completed over 250 home renovations in the UK. Together, James and I have over 35 years experience designing and building homes. This podcast was created to give you, the homeowner, the power and the knowledge to get your project done right, on time, and with quality workmanship. We've been going for just over a year now, and we have over 50 episodes for you to listen and absorb all the information from key experts in the industry. That's right. We've spoken to industry leaders, builders, architects, and the best part of what we do is hear from you, the homeowner, what went right and what went wrong. We really hope you like listening to this podcast. And if you do, please leave us a review. Reviews expose us to more listeners, which in turn means we can help more homeowners save money and avoid the chance of things going wrong. With that said, let's get into today's show. Hey guys, this is Juliet, your co-host for the Property Renovation Podcast. This week, I talked to James about renovating old historic homes and some of the common challenges that you'll come across when working on these old beauties. It's filled with a lot of great specific tips from James, so we really hope you enjoy the episode. If you do, please visit us and join our Facebook group. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the Property Renovation Podcast. With that said, let's get into today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Property Renovation Podcast. I'm Juliet, your co-host, and today I'm interviewing our host, James, and we're talking about renovating historic homes. So James, how are you doing today? I'm good, Juliet. How are you? Doing good. So renovating historic homes. So you obviously lived and you worked in London. There's a lot of historic homes and you got some experience in this. So when you first meet a client and you walk through their homes with them, what are some of the things that you look at? Okay, well, the first thing you're going to start looking for is any signs of movement in that house. It's been up for a very long time, um, and and there's usually some signs of movement. Um, you can probably tell by cracks on the walls, cracks in the ceilings, um, and you just want to be checking if there is anything serious like subsidence with that home as well. Um, you can probably check things like you know if the floors are level or whether they're really sloping. They usually are. Uh, you know, this this property has been up for quite some time. Um, the next thing you want to be looking at is signs of damp and mold. Um, mold, you can usually tell because of the black spots in the corners of the ceilings and stuff like that. Um, but that could also just be down to um, not enough ventilation within the room. So you need to be just checking that thing out. Um, I would also look at the floors. Um, usually the wood flooring um, could end up having some woodworm and that's just like thousands of little holes where they're just been, you know, it's all the, all the wood has gone soft um, and it's starting to, you know, rot away. So you need to be looking at that. Um, asbestos is another good thing. They used to build a lot of things out of asbestos, um, but don't touch it yourself. Um, you need a qualified, experienced person to come in. And, and even if it is just, if you suspect that it's asbestos, it's usually brittle. It's usually a little bit sparkly. Um, and, and that's, you know, if you think it, don't touch it, get someone in, um, any lead pipe work, um, any pipe work that's, um, you know, uh, probably come away from the walls, just from some movement stuff like that. Um, small leaks, um, electrics, you know, they've, they've probably got still old, uh, wiring in that home. So you need to be just, uh, looking out at that, looking at the consumer unit and the fuses. I still remember those old fuses that you used to get with just the wire through them that you could replace. Um, so 
you know, that probably will need updating as well. Other things like um, plaster, you know, th- th- that's probably blown and it's come away from the main substrate of the wall. Um, you can usually just like tap it with your thing, like your hand, and you can just go around just to see whether you've got like a sound of hollowness um, happening. And, and that probably means that it's, it's coming away from the wall. It just probably needs to be redone. Usually um, it's patchy, so it's not completely blown. Um, you could probably um, bet that in a bathroom, if the bathroom tile's been on for years and years and years, then there's uh, small cracks within the grout, um, which means that they didn't really used to waterproof or consider waterproofing behind those tiles. And the chemicals they used back then uh, was never as good as what they are today. So um, if, wall, if, if, that, if water did get behind the tiles, then that's probably blown the plaster behind there as well. So when you start taking tiles off, that's what you probably need to think about. Things like ceilings as well, you know, leaks from the person above you. And that could have um, weakened the ceiling or um, uh, started, you know, some cracks forming and stuff like that. Um, And I I remember, um, you know, when you go into these kind of homes as well, you still still see this today where you've got that chipboard kind of wallpaper you know um and it's like um i I forgot the name of it but it's a nightmare to to get off um and it was very cheap and easy to use back then as well it's like textured so i don't know whether they have that in america but they have a lot of that no i know what you're talking about and it's it's almost like a giant sticker that's fossilized on the wall yeah yeah exactly yeah so Pretty much every single home you walk into will have these things simply because of gravity, time. That's just the way buildings age. Like you will see movement on every single house because that's what happens to homes. You build them, they're heavy, they settle into the ground and there's always, we don't live in a perfect world. So there is always uneven settlement. And so these are all things to not necessarily be afraid of, Mm. but just be aware of them. I think as you move into a project because none of these are um, none of these are reasons to pull away from say buying a property or tackling this renovation job. It's uh, there are better and worse, of course, of some things. You know, some things are perhaps more urgent. Like I was working on this one project, and you know, it's an, it was an old couple. They hadn't worked on the home for forty years, but the home had literally been lifted up from its original foundations okay. and moved to a new location, and so the way they had to do it was they literally had to chop a bay, a window bay mm-hmm. off the side of the house. And then from the, in the new house in the new location, when they put the main house back onto new foundations and that new bay that, that was once chopped off mm-hmm. for some reason, there was a lot of settlement in the foundation holding up the bay. And so that was very noticeably literally like peeling off. Yeah. And so Again, it seemed very scary, but it was quite simple. You get to go you get a structural engineer. He looks at it. You know, he does some calculations, and then you basically put in supports <laughs> for the bay that was once leaning, and now it's not leaning quite so much. And so, um, don't be afraid of these things, but just be aware that these are challenges you will face, and there and there are answers to these questions. I, I just want to come back on that bit where you said about moving. Uh, a property uh, mm. because they did something in Berlin, um, which I was very amazed about. Actually, it was um, in East Berlin, so it's, a, it's the divide between East and West. And it was—I'm pretty sure—it was a hotel. 
um, but it was quite a huge building and they needed to move it as part of the, um, the, the, the restructure of that, that area. And they literally dug underneath, put a balloon like an air pocket and moved the building across the road and then put it back in, in, in another position. And I felt that was like amazing. That is amazing. I'm surprised the road was wide enough for a building. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, yeah, no, sorry. I'll just. I, I oh, that's incredible. That. Yeah. Um, well, that a job like that definitely takes a lot of cooperation with the city. And so, yes. speaking of that, yeah. So, a lot of these homes in America, I guess what we call them, they're sort of in historic districts or landmark districts. Mm. Um, what kind of are there additional restrictions that you typically? see or face like what can homeowners expect when going into a project and some additional restrictions or required cooperation with the city you need to liaise a lot you know you need to be really clear they're going to request um a lot of visual um elements to the ideas that you've got um and you have to consider um the way that the building looks from the outside um, it always needs to match um, the adjacent properties and um, therefore, you know, you're, you're restricted in the kind of things that you can have for the windows and the way that the bricks look and all of this kind of thing. So the cho- and the choice of bricks, you know, so it's a, a lot to consider. Um, you need to consider things like if you're in a con- conservation area, uh, it's actually it's, it's more difficult. You know, you're dealing with um, someone that is um, – uh, you know the the, the 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 officer that you're dealing with from the borough or the council um, is in that position um, of power, and yes. yeah, and you 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 know they 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 can be very persuasive um, if they need to, and um, that's you know you just need to think about um, what you're doing to that home. Um, you you need to consider others around you as well, and and the fact that that building still will stand for another hundred years. So um, you can't really do too much with it. Yeah, definitely. But I have found that if you, you know, if you approach them with a good attitude and it's because you, you know, you're buying this home because you love old properties or you love the way they look, the way they feel. And so if you go in and develop a relationship with the city, with the people in charge in that department, I found that they're usually, they're very, they're good to work with because I mean, they're, because they're also in that position a lot of times because of their love for historic homes and everything. So it is a lot of, a lot of communication, a lot of relationship building, like you said, but it's, um, yeah, there are more restrictions, but once in a while you may be able to persuade them to do something that originally was a no, like maybe you can add a new window, but you know, you just make sure that it's a historic window. It matches the style of the home. It's a wood window. The materials are right. So you just, I I guess I recommend keeping a sort of bird's eye view on it all and just really look at it like, so this is a historic home. And then a lot of times um, in those neighborhoods, they're desirable neighborhoods because, you know, they feel great, they look great and they do keep their value a lot of times. And so if you keep that in mind and you just sort of worked, have an app, attitude of working together to keep the value of the entire neighborhood up it's generally pretty good yeah and 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 also liaise with your neighbors right because definitely um you you, you want to keep them happy too um i would also think about like um it's mostly going to be a terrace house so you're going to have people have a side of you so you need to be considering things like party wall um 
uh, getting getting a party wall surveyor out, providing a report, making sure that that's all good before going ahead, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, that's pretty much, you know, you, you, you need to be... Actually, there's another thing. You, you need to be speaking to the water board as well because if you're planning to do much in in your home that requires uh that you know the pressure and stuff like that and you might need to change the 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 mains of the water into your home you do need to be speaking to the water board as well um because there's going to be a a hell of a lot of old old pipes in that floor you know in the ground so yeah definitely okay what james is talking about um in in the u.s here we call it's the size of the water service to the house you may have to upgrade um whatever line it is you go up a half inch three quarters of an inch because you know you have more water heaters we take we use a lot more water than we did before yeah so we have a lot more plumbing fixtures in the house so that is another potential um cost Mm. that you're going to have when you work on these homes so speaking of challenging aspects so that's not necessarily that challenging that may be challenging in terms of price because that is that is a, sometimes there's sticker shock clients get when you see how much it costs to upgrade your water service. But what are, um, James, in your experience, what are some of the other challenging aspects when working on a historic home? I would probably say that um, it requires much, much more maintenance, um, love and care uh, than than a home to you know that's only twenty years old, thirty years, fifty years old. Um, so you just need to consider that as well. There's going to be challenges of if you're taking down certain walls and stuff like that. You need to be um, they might not be supported enough um, or strong enough to withstand themselves for a while. So you need to be um, getting in some props and holding up the ceiling and stuff like that. Um, and then things like um, it's old brickwork, you know, that it could be weak. You're probably going to have to um, look at strengthening things, applying some steel. Uh, what else? Um, the, f- the joists in the floor, you know, there's probably a few that are not strong enough anymore. They need extra support. Um, re-leveling that floor as well, because um, I've been into some Victorian homes where they have gone down by 12 inches, you know, and that's a lot. That um, is a lot. Yeah, exactly. Literally, you can you can you know roller skate down. <laughs> so, I have uh, never seen a thing. Wow. Yeah, it's yeah, it can it can happen. Um, so you you do need to be thinking that you know you, you're probably going to have to build that back up. Um, doors, uh, realigning doors, straightening them out, stuff like that. That's if you you know that's if you want to as well. Where do you end? You know, this is the whole point. It's like. It's it's an old home. It's never going to be square, right? So part of its charm is its quirkiness. And it, you know, exactly, it's exactly, yeah. But I think people do get frustrated with it, you know, because they they want to have new doors, and you know, um, they don't want large gaps at the bottom of their door treads and stuff like that. You know, the stairway, for instance, and refitting new things like new flooring, new laminate flooring, and um, the fact that it won't line up right at the end of the uh, the steps or something like that it's because it's an old home so you're going to get that those are the kind of challenging things yeah i mean and i think we've talked about this subject before and you mentioned how i mean these old homes are in some ways they're just sort of grand old dames right they're a little delicate mm. and they need a delicate hand yeah because it's just 
like you said, you aren't sure a lot because the building standards have changed and things now are, you know, quote unquote, over engineered. And so a lot of times the floor joists are much more shallow. The roof members, those rafters, they're not quite as they can't bear as much load as they do now. They simply weren't engineered the way they are now. So you do need to when you and be, so I'm saying that because when you go in and so and you change something, once you change it, at least in the U.S., you're then required to bring it up to modern code. So say you want to redo your stair, the whole the maximum um, rise over run, you know, the tread width versus how high each step is, yeah. that is much more strict today than it used to be before. And so those steepled stairs that fit into yeah. that like entry hall, if you redo that and you have and you want to do a new stair, you'll be required to build it to today's code, and that. So suddenly that stairway might actually take up a lot more space. You'll have to add like two or three risers, which doesn't sound like a lot, but for some reason it, you, it's actually a lot <laughs> when you're trying to design a home and suddenly your stair ends up in the landing in the middle of the doorway or something. And when you're talking about codes, you're talking, I mean, our terminology is building regulations, right? Yes. So it, it needs to meet current standards and um, they, yeah, they call codes in America. That's right. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, and other things that you need to think that are quite challenging as well is you, you do talking about building regulations, um, fire, you know, fire barriers. So if you're talking about doorways and stuff like this and new partition walls and all of this, you need to be thinking about intermittent strips and um, around the doorways, stuff like this. And that can really be quite challenging in a, in a, a historic home as well. Right. And so things like that, I mean, in terms of like fireproofing or making sure that you have the right, like, fire separations, dealing with asbestos, like we've mentioned. So I think we would both definitely recommend a professional. They need to take care of those things. Yeah. So what what would you recommend homeowners do on their own? And where do you think it's just, you would just really strongly recommend bringing in a professional? Um, I think if you, if there's anything to do with electrics, anything to do with, um, uh, uh, plumbing work, um, gas, those require professionals. Um, roofing requires a professional. Um, so, and, 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 it's, and working outside on your house as well. Like, you know, um, some of these houses are five meters high, you know, so yeah. you, you need to be thinking you know, you're not really going to be jumping on any scaffolding outside. And I would get a professional to do that. Um, but things that, a homeowner can do in a historic home is um, you know, they can peel the paint. There's a lot of paint to peel. It's probably been on there for many, many years, many layers. Um, there's chemicals out there like nitromores um, in the UK. And there's like methods of um, uh, a gel that you can do, put it on. That's an application or you can use like um, tape that you can put on, leave it overnight and then, uh, apply it, you know, to peel, peel the paint off that way. Laminate flooring, people can do that these days. It's very easy. Um, all you need to do it DIY style is um, a, a powered jigsaw. Um, even you can use a handsaw to do something like that. But it's click and off you go. You know, so simple, simple as that. Um, painting, um, I would probably say yes. Painting can be done, um, but there are certain things like features in the home. There's um, cornicing and there's architraves and stuff like that. So um, because they're different types of molding, to get it right, um, 
probably get a professional in to do it. It's going to take you, uh, you know, twice, three times as long. So, and you might not have the necessary tools. And those kind of tools to, to do that kind of work accurately is quite expensive. So, um, you can't just do it with a paintbrush. So, um, and then I would probably say in, insulation, like in your attic, um, you can do that. I mean, there's rolls of insulation you can go and buy and you can roll that out in your attic as well. Um, and if you're feeling brave, you could build a partition wall. I mean, a partition wall, if you're, the reason why I mentioned this is because in, uh, if someone was buying a, a historic home in the UK, um, there's a lot of space and people try to utilize that space and maybe making an extra room out of it, divide the rooms up, stuff like that. So that's why I mentioned partition walls. And it's very simple to do that. All you need is plasterboard, um, some uh, wooden studs, uh, a level, some nails and screws and a hammer, you know, and off you go. So um, it, it doesn't really take that much brains to, to do something like that. And it doesn't require a professional really. Um, the only time I would say that it pr- requires a professional is fitting the door lining in within that wall. But if you're just looking to build a wall from left to right, up, down, then you can do it yourself. It's not that difficult. Wouldn't you say, I guess the one thing I think it would be difficult for a homeowner in terms of if you have an old home and say there's old base molding and crown to either try and match that or to try and, um, I forget what the term is like, not jigsaw, you know, when you miter the corners for the crown and try and install it to match, that would be, that's, that is a very, that's a real art and craft to doing that. So I guess you can attempt it, but is that you think would that be best left to the professionals like sort of the mill work and the finish work like that well these days i mean the the old ones are made out of plaster in paris and i mean um, oh, right then now you can get polystyrene ones of those um and pretty good ones too and if you give it a if you you can because it's cheap it doesn't matter if you make a mistake you know you can give it a go and if it doesn't work you can always call in a professional there you go that's that's a good point. <laughs> what about, um, I feel like I read, you read a lot online in terms of, oh, if you want a new look, just, you know, new fixtures. Like, so put in a new chandelier, put in a new light fixture. Mm. So we've touched on this earlier, but, you know, the, the wiring and the electric in these old homes are really a different beast. They're not as safe as they are today, though, just in terms of the types of wires and maybe the conduit and how they ran it through the house. Yeah. It's very different. So what, in terms of lighting, what can or what can't a homeowner probably do by themselves? Um, well, first, I just want to mention that uh, it's not just to do with the way that they, they ran it when they built the house. There, are, there have been many people that have owned that house prior to you, and they probably would have put in their own fixtures and their own. So they, um, they could have been... Uh, you know, just feeding a wire anywhere, zigzag uh, style, and um, not pro- not protected that wire uh, at all. So, um, and you don't know where that's leading to. So, things like drilling holes in walls and stuff like that, you have to be super careful about. Um, but the reason, going back to the old wiring setup, um, again, you 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 don't know how that was wired, really. And um, that's why I would probably steer away from doing um, any kind of like uh, changing the light fixtures yourself. Um, 
people do do it. And uh, if I'm correct on regulations, if you are not adding to, but if you are just literally changing in the same position, then it's fine. Um, but I would just uh, do various checks. And one simple tip here is literally turn everything off. Everything. Yes, definitely. Don't, I mean, these days you can, li- you've, you've got a little, you've got a protector for every single circuit in the house, um, you know, from your lighting to your appliances, whatever. And it's clearly marked, you, right. know, what you, you know what you're doing. Um, but back then that, that, that wasn't the case. So I would just be extra safe, switch everything off, change that light. Um, and just remember this probably going to be red in the UK. It's red and black. Um, Same here. Same here. Okay. So you just need to remember that red is positive and black is neutral. Yep. Red's hot. Don't touch. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right. And I have never lived in an old home and gone down and looked at the circuit board and, you know, there are labels, but you'll see several different sets of handwriting. Mm -hmm. And whenever I've switched one off expecting something to go, it's, it's never, it's never right. No. Things have happened. The house has evolved. It's it's no longer the house that once was. So yeah. definitely turn absolutely everything off. And just another note on safety, at least the statistic here in the U.S. is that 80% of fires in homes are from poor electric work. And so the 80% of the fires are electrical fires. And so when we're talking about get a professional to do the electric, it's not it's not something nice, but maybe you can do yourself. Well, maybe, you know, go ahead, do it yourself if you're an electrician, by all means. But it's, it really is a matter of safety and it's not worth, it's, it's not worth trying to save a little bit of money there when you could burn down your home. Yeah. Look, I mean, uh, in everyone's family, there may be an electrician, um, a plumber, you know, uh, someone in your family is probably from that background. So I would probably say that, if you're um, part of the fun thing, you know, with with buying an a historic home is that you're you're you are doing the work, right? Most mostly, right. You're, it's your home, so people love to do DIY. And I think um, there is an element of give it a go because if you got it right, you can give yourself a fist punch. And um, if if you get it wrong, you learn from it. And I think if you if you can call out. Uh, an electrician that's a friend of the family, then you can get them over and say, you know, I've just changed this. Can you just double check it? Make sure it's fine. And it's just build your confidence as well, because then you know that you did it right the first time round, and you can do it again. Um, so it's not always, you know, quick phone a professional all the time. I think if um, people want to do it themselves, then just get it checked if it's not right. And I think the other thing to, to mention as well is don't be too scared. If you, if, if you, if you wire it up wrong, it will go bang. And, um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't these days, it just goes click and it's, it's tripped. You go back down and swish it back on again. But, um, it, it, if you wire it up wrong, uh, with an old fuse board, it will go back and then you have to replace the, the fuse as well. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of which, what are some things that besides electric, I think electric may fall in this category, but what are some things that are they maybe look like intimidating projects for homeowners and DIYers, but actually are, you know, not that challenging and worth, you know, giving a go yourself. Um, I think if, if the floor, like I said, we're going back to the exaggeration of 12, 12 inches. Um, but I would probably say that 
if um, floorboards are loose or you know they're a little bit sloping down you can go and get things like packers that you can put underneath you can raise those floorboards back up um, you can strengthen uh, joists as well by applying extra wood either side um, so those things if you're feeling brave you can do that kind of thing it doesn't it might look bad at the beginning um, just um, you know just just uh, just think about the approach of how you're going to do it and then do it so don't rush into it. Um, I would probably say things like um, uh, if, if you are looking behind, if you're pulling out your kitchen or you're pulling out your bathroom, um, people do get scared about what they're going to find behind that. And there's probably signs of, um, you know, uh, mold and damp and like leaks and stuff like that. But that could be going for t- over time, you know, and it could be just a really, really small leak. Um, it's not the end of the world. It doesn't mean that everything's going to cave in. Um, so, uh, just, you know, those, those things you just need to think about. Um, and, uh, the other thing is, is like, if you are running the shower, uh, in your bathroom and you find that it's, you know, water is going down into your kitchen, into your living room, whatever, um, that could just mean that the silicon has broken away just from the bath movement or the wall movement. So just applying a new silicon um, around the bath could save you uh, from calling someone out and, you know, worrying about putting everything out and starting again. Yeah, those are all great tips. Those are all really great tips. And so those are some really simple and economic fixes. Mm-hmm. What about... What would you recommend homeowners um, splurge on and what would you recommend um, areas that they might save on? Okay. So I think areas that you want to be spending money on um, is a fireplace, you know, you restoring that fireplace. Um, So, uh, and the hearth around it and stuff like that. So you you want to be spending a bit of money on that good quality one. Um, Windows again, um, Maybe the the sash windows need to be completely replaced. Maybe they need to, um, maybe just the lead weights in them need to be replaced or or fixed. Um, So spend, invest in a good company that can do that kind of thing. Um, uh, I would probably say acoustics, you know, soundproofing the home. Um, I don't think, uh, you know, you've got all those creaking floorboards you've got, you can hear upstairs, downstairs, left, right. So, um, if you're doing a quite extensive work in, in a historic home, then I would probably put, uh, some, some good acoustics. If you're doing a new floor, um, then put some underneath that floor as well. Um, yeah, I, I think those are the areas. Insulation as well in, in you know, new partition walls, put some good insulation in it. Insulation in the attic as well. Um, I would probably say uh, new wiring as well. Complete rewire of the home. Invest in it. It is expensive, but you'll be glad that you did it. Um, and then areas where you can save is um, kitchens um, because you've got some very, very – um, good companies out there. I mean, I, I never thought I'd say it, but IKEA um, are producing some very, very good quality kitchens. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that you can, and they do look nice. I mean, I would, I would never, I never thought I would say it this day, but um, you know, they they are getting better and better. Um, 
and uh, they're reasonably cheap. I mean, you're going to get 50% off sales. You're going to get, um, uh, you know, 25% off sales, buy one, get one free, all that kind of thing. So kitchens, bathrooms, bathroom wear as well, um, tiles. I mean, every tile is discounted these days. You can buy tiles on the internet. Um, you've got such a big range that you can do, that you can buy. Um and then don't forget things like secondhand goods and salvage because um, you you want to be buying secondhand goods to, to in your homes because of the character of the property. So, um, yeah, there are areas where you can save. I think it's interesting just in terms of your recommendations of where to splurge on and where to perhaps save mm. because in the areas that you recommend splurging, aside from the windows and the fireplace, mm. everything that you recommended is not something that you see. No, it's not. It, it's not. And so, you know, it's the acoustics, it's the insulation, it's the electric. These are the things behind the walls, in the floors. And so I know it's very tempting to want to spend on the pretty things that you see. But in terms of getting the overall house to feel right, to sound right, to, as you live in it, just the warmth of it during the winter, getting that insulation right. Yeah. It's, um, I think I recommend to homeowners to gradually perhaps upgrade some of the more surface fixtures over time because you know you can assess them easily mm. and you can fix them out you know change them out fairly simply instead of you know because the acoustic underlayment is under the floor so you want to spend money up front i think in some of those areas i would say yeah you actually do see it julia you see it when the bills come in oh you do <laughs> and then you see it in your bank account as the money exactly goes out. exactly yeah of course uh, that's that's it. When the bills come in and the, you've got a very high electricity bill and you're wondering why the heating has been on so many so often, you know. Um, oh, another thing. Yeah, a good boiler, a good boiler, good heating boiler. Definitely. You need Definitely. to be doing that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, tuning up your the boiler system, and I would recommend. I've mentioned this before. I would recommend keeping that radiant heat instead of switching over to forced air. Yeah, in a in a quick, in a simple way, the efficiency of your home is what you need to be invested in. Definitely, that's a great way to put it. Any sort of last um, thoughts or tips for homeowners with historic homes? I would probably say be patient. You know, um, it's not always going to go your way, and you're you're going to be thrown a hell of a lot of curveballs. Um, if you're doing the complete renovation of uh, an historic a historic home, it's going to take time and money. So just spend it wisely, both your time and your money, spend it wisely um, and be patient. And have fun. And have fun. It is. It's good. It is good to do, to do that kind of home. All right, James, thank you so much for all these great tips. And we will come back and ask you for more tips later, I'm sure. Okay, cool. Thanks very much. Take care. If you're planning a renovation or you're moving into your first new home, then the Akiva Toolkit could be the solution you need. With its easy-to-use package of 10 documents, you are able to manage time, budget, and the communication between your builders and you to ensure the project is complete to satisfaction first time round. The Akiva Toolkit saves you money and time. It's for the first-time renovator and the renovator that wants to do things better the second time round. It's a fraction of the cost compared to paying for mistakes or repeating work that's already done. Go to akivatoolkit.com and get your project off to a perfect start today.